Welcome to the Trag Quest Podcast. We have James and Joaquin on here, and we're going to talk a little Roosevelt elk hunt. They just spent the month chasing the beasts around the jungle and uh, all that good stuff. So anyway, how you guys doing? Excellent. Uh, hey, why don't we start off with uh, Joaquin? Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and you know, kind of how we got to know each other? Uh, we uh, We became friends via Instagram. Um, I post uh, some black tail pictures and some Roosevelt pictures and, and James uh, laid a couple comments down wanting to talk black tails and, and we finally uh, ended up just chatting back and forth and uh, that's sort of how it all started and we talked about uh, hunting down here and schedule didn't work out um, and uh, we ended up just kind of deciding to hunt the entire Roosevelt season together up on in some of James's country, and uh, from there it was love at first sight. <laughs> and jo- Joaquin, you're you just switched over to the stick bow. Was it this year? Yeah, um, I got one from South uh, a recurve, uh, I think three years ago, and I shot it a little bit. Um, the first year I had it, uh, then decided I I had a trip planned to film a hunt in British Columbia. So I couldn't really put a bunch of time into archery that year. So I laid it up and shot with my compound and then decided this year to make a commitment to it and just, you know, only hunt with it. So that's, uh, I was thinking about that today, actually. <laughs> it is, I'm not sure if I've, if I've handicapped myself. I, I think that I've had more encounters than I normally would have and I just haven't had quite the right one, but, uh, it's really been a lot more fun to carry around and a lot more. I really enjoy stump shooting. That's, that's kind of one of the main reasons that I really like shooting with it. And you've got, uh, you've already got one, uh, kill under your belt with it this summer, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got a black tail. Um, my kid did. Um, I got a three and a half year old boy and we've been trying to you know, put some moves on some deer for a couple of years and it all ended up coming together this year. So, it was it was nice. It was a really close shot. It was, you know, maybe twelve or thirteen yards. But um yeah, it was it was really good to kinda, you know, break the ice and get that under my belt. So yeah, um I guess a good place to start. Uh so me and Joaquin had been talking on the phone like he had said, um, for over the past year or so and 
as the hunt was coming up and we'd committed to hunting together, uh, there was a lot of conversation, uh, back and forth. And when we, uh, finally got together, it was on the, was it the day before season? Before deer season here or? No, before elk season. Yeah. Yeah. I think we yeah. came in a day early. Yeah. Well, a day early. Yeah. I came up, I think Thursday. Two days early. Thursday, two days early. Yeah. Yeah. So we, he met up at my house and, uh, Joaquin's from California and he pulls in in, in a, uh, Subaru <laughs> with some mud train tires and a roof rack. And oh, California pimped plate. out, I pimped like, out Subaru. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew we were going to have a lot of fun in the in the uh, in the Oregon uh, woods in that rig. Because um, <laughs> for the listeners, that's probably like what they would think of as a granola per se. Oh, You're hiding in plain sight. That's like the best camo sold at Trailhead right there. <laughs> and I also got to say the Subaru Outback with the all-terrain tires is the nicest riding truck, car, anything I've ever rode in in these gravel, washboard, terrible roads. And it just feels like a Cadillac. I mean, it cruises out there. It's awesome. Yeah. He did. Uh, James did fall asleep at least once. Just nodding out <laughs> as we were cruising along. So it must have been a pretty good ride. <laughs> that did. That was really our only elk nap that I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so Joaquin shows up at the uh, house. We get loaded up, and I take him to our uh, archery elk course, which Bob's been to. You got to go shoot some 3D elk before elk season. So Joaquin <laughs> pulls his uh, bow out and. And uh, from across the parking lot, I can tell. I see that thing, and I'm like, something's not right. Uh, so Joaquin's new to traditional archery, and without any real uh, mentors, he didn't realize a five-inch brace height wasn't kosher. <laughs> it was loud. <laughs> it was loud. Yeah, it sounded like a compound bow going off. Uh, so we got this bow out to seven and a half and uh the look on his eyes i could tell he he knew things were going to be uh all right and i know he seemed a little nervous about shooting since he hasn't shot a stick bow around a lot of people uh, but i was shockingly surprised uh i mean you know he's joaquin's a super good shot well thanks i appreciate that uh, uh yeah I, I don't really have any but uh i bought one for my wife so we shoot a little bit together, but there's really not anybody else around here that, that I shoot with. So I'm always shooting terrible compared to everybody else with the compound. <laughs> yeah. comparison. So it was nice to fling some with someone with, you know, similar equipment. Yeah. And we, we stump shot like anytime we were hiking out of a spot or the wind was wrong or, I mean, we were stumping constantly because the wind was always wrong. Yeah. Oregon, Oregon wind. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this season I was trying to do something a little different. We were going to hunt on some, uh, timberlands, uh, here in Oregon. We got big tree farms that just grow trees. Uh, it's a renewable resource. And instead of hunting the, uh, state lands that I normally hunt, that we were going to mix that in and they're right next door to each other. So, um, that's kind of a pay to play thing and kind of ate some crow on that and, we got permits to go in there and hunt. It's, I think, a 180,000 acre tree farm. And, 
and it definitely came with uh, ups and downs and you know new challenges because I don't know there was more people but there was more elk per se and there was new ways of hunting elk. So you guys before when you got the permit that those two days before that was the first time you've been in there or James you've you work in that area a little bit don't you? Yeah, so what's what's kind of funny is I've worked all over this farm, but because I'm not driving, my boss drives. You don't pay attention. So you're... I don't pay attention. <laughs> yeah. So so it, it, after a while, it all it, it clicked pretty fast. But at first, it felt like I didn't. I, I told Joaquin, I was like, "Look, this the the state ground. I know it intimately, but we're gonna try this stuff next door, and we can always go back and forth." Um, and what was nice is when you're on private ground with security behind lock gates, we felt confident enough to put up a full wall tent camp with all the amenities and a kitchen and, and we could leave that up for 30 days and we had a place to hunt. Even if we weren't in that area, we had a main camp to go to, which on public ground here can be kind of sketchy. I've had my whole camp stolen before. So that was one nice thing about being on the timber company land. So you kind of knew you 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 knew the area pretty well, just minus yeah, so finding the roads and stuff. <laughs> where I was camping, me and my grandpa mushroom picked in this area. So I spent a lot of years mushroom picking in here, and I spent a lot of time in the creek. So we had an area picked out per se. We just hadn't. I didn't put a lot of time scouting elk. So it did feel kind of like elk scouting while we were hunting. But it was coming together pretty fast. I mean, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell uh, how it all started, Joaquin? You know, like the first day of us rolling in to, sh- to set up camp and whatnot. Well, we rolled in, and uh, James gave me an idea of you know the area that we were gonna we were gonna shoot for. So we got in there and we drove around. I mean, we were we were trying to trying to get a lay of the land and, and find glassing points and, and get an understanding of how it was going to be hunted. And it, it, it wasn't very crowded when we first got there. So we thought, boy, we thought we were going to have it made. We found some elk right off and we were pretty excited. And, uh, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out where we could set up a camp. That was one of the things. And we ended up just, you know, driving around, looking at country, driving down roads, trying to find a spot. And we ended up finding a really great spot way back at the end of this decommission road, which was, which was a real, turned out to be a really nice place to, to have our camp. But it was a lot different for me. I've, I've never hunted, uh, you know, private ground much. I mean, I've, I've hunted Roosevelt's before in Oregon, but I've always hunted in the, the Alsi or, you know, Saisla in the, the national forest there. And, um, it sure was nice having that security, that peace of mind where when you leave your rig with, when you got some optics in there or a camera or some lenses that you're not going to come back to a bash that window and all your stuff gone. But like James said, it did come with a lot of traffic. There was a lot and that changed the, I guess I would say that the temperature of the hunt for me where you feel real motivated to get on elk real quick because, because, Somebody yeah. could just come around the bend, you know, and, uh, that was, we were, we were getting our feet under us, I guess I would say for the first, first 
few days in there anyways, just trying to understand, well, are we going to glass in the morning, you know, and, and are we going to locate animals? Are we going to, there's a lot of guys that are driving around, um, seeing them from the road and going after them. Are we going to find areas that, uh, that are gated off that we're going to walk into kind of trying to come up with an understanding how to hit, how to attack the place. And, um, well, as you alluded to glassing, I am not accustomed to glassing Roosevelt elk because where I hunt, there's so few cuts that it's an option like 5% of the time. But in the timber company lands, uh, Joaquin was able to locate some spots for us where we could see for five miles, where we could see 30, 40 different cuts, uh, maybe from like new to 20-year-old and age class so there was a, a lot of diversity that we could glass and even when you couldn't get on elk you could always go up and glass elk which was it was a nice uh change yeah it gives you it gave you something to do when they weren't bugling i'm sure i know early season can be tough so like how did you guys start out did you guys start out glassing day one i mean i know you got your lay of the land so after you got the lay yeah. of the land were you glassing or locate and trying to bugle what was what was the plan then so we located a group of four legal bulls and we got to watch them thursday night we checked on them friday morning we checked on them friday night and we thought we had this thing wrapped up <laughs> and friday night <laughs> some hunters pulled in at last light saw the elk that we had planned to, to hunt in the morning and they proceeded to push the elk into the timber with their truck. They, one of the guys, even I think Joaquin, did he put a hunt on him? Oh, dude, he had a full stock going. He came out and, and he, he was putting a stock on him. And I was looking at my watch. I was like, dude, this guy, he's got his compound out. He's in his, you know, he's in his street clothes and his Romeos, but he was definitely putting a stock on some elk. And this is yeah, the, you know, this is the night before season. Yeah. Dude, we had, we had that, we had probably 20 minutes of light left and we had spotted a nice bear over on this other cut and we we were sitting on these elk man and we were just i was getting really really nervous really nervous that something was going to go wrong i mean sure enough this mm. truck came in and pushed the elk out of the way and then we heard a boom and another boom and another boom and james looked at me and he goes dude this is it right here this is how it is man he goes <laughs> elk are getting pushed bears are getting shot you know i mean it turned into a rodeo instantly. oh man yeah that's sort of how it that's, that was so, the news, you know. So opening morning, we decide we're still going to go see if those elk will pop back out because these Roosevelt elk, uh, they don't run 20 miles. They are very uh, creatures of habit, and they have small home ranges for the most part. So we're like, we'll just go back to that cut and look across the canyon, and maybe they'll poke back out, and we'll have a game plan. So we show up. In the dark, and we get out of the car, walk out to landing the glass, and we can hear pop, snap, pop, snap. And that herd was underneath us at like 30 yards. Hmm. So the rest of that day turned into us dogging the herd, trying to get back on them. Uh, basically, uh, I mean, we were never really close enough to get back on them. We were just kind of behind them all day, if I recall. Yeah, we we – looped around above them and tried to get good wind and guess where they, you know, uh, what, what section of dark timber that they'd gone into, but we didn't end up 
you know, making it back up with them. But we did learn some countries. And that was one of the things that we talked about early was that, you know, anything that we're doing is going to be a benefit because we're going to learn country. We're going to learn from the ground. We're going to learn where we're going and where people are pressuring and where they're running to. So it was good. It was a really productive day in terms of that. It was pretty surprising to have them. I mean, they moved across the drainage and up the other side where we thought we were safe looking at them and they were right over there, right underneath the tires, basically. So is the next day the palace hunt? No, that was uh, Sunday. Yeah, but that's yeah, Sunday. Yeah, 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 that was Sunday. Yeah, so. Yeah, we glassed. We glassed and tried to locate. We drove up yeah. and found a glassing spot. Because um, I think we went over and checked on those elk to see if they were still there. They weren't there anymore. Um, yeah, and then and then we went to Silver Cow. and Yeah, tell yeah. us about the Silver Cow. Yeah. Well, we looked at, uh, you know, we got on. Uh, we were both running Onyx. I had run it for a while now, and James was uh, just getting um, just getting it rolling. And I have done. We we where I live is really thick, so we don't do a lot of glass in here either. But I've been on some other hunts. I've hunted coos deer in Arizona, and glassing is you know a, a primary tool there. And so I kind of had the mo from there. And we looked for a real high spot. We drove around until we found this real high knob, and we started glassing and uh you know picking up cuts and looking into areas and um we did uh we ended up i don't know if that was the day that it got named that was that the day that it got named silver cows too um no that was later in the hunt yeah that was later on but we were glassing from this spot and uh it was it was getting later in the day and james was losing faith in the glass (laughs) <laughs> pretty quick. Um, and, Sounds uh, like me. We and, 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 and I'm running 10, I'm running 10 power Swarovski's just handheld. And not, not really, not really. They were, they were like out of parallax. They were yeah. so, oh, geez, those things were rough. Yeah. So <laughs> those were being sent back. They just got sent back. So yeah, my Swarovski's were for the first week. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with these. Yeah. Um, but Joaquin's got 15 powers and on a tripod. And he's spotting elk that it's, I'm blown away. He found us a herd of elk that was, was it three and a half miles away? Yeah, that was out. The place in the palace there was a little over, it was like, you know, three and a third or something like that miles away. We kept looking to this spot because it was, it was this really nice grassy, you know, meadow. It it just kind of stuck out. You kept looking at it thinking, well, there's got to be elk there. Everything else is, you know, fresh clear cut or reprod or, you know, Christmas trees or, and we just kept looking back at the spot and I kept thinking, man, there's just, there should be elk walking across that thing. And we looked over there one time and sure enough, there, there was, it was a herd of elk just moving from this little patch of uh, bottomland, just right over to this timber. They, they moved right through and we saw them and we, we kind of came up with a game plan. And that's the other thing is once you, once you find elk, then you're trying to locate through the topo and through the road, road and the and the aerial photographs of where where they actually are and how you're going to access. And you have to drive. You can't, can't just go cross country. Sometimes you need your car strategically blocking a road or letting people know <laughs> that you're in this area. Because if you don't, someone's going to drive up into your hunt. Oh, they just drive right to them, man. I mean, it was yeah. it was unreal. The uh, I, I don't know. Um, the, the, I would say that the, the group of people hunting in there made was made up of all kinds. There was all kinds of guys. There was guys that were trying to get away. There was tra- guys that were 
they were happy driving around. Um, there was guys that were, uh, you know, <laughs> jumping out of the truck and sending arrows. I mean, there was like, there was all kinds of people in there. And like, you know, like you're saying, it, it, uh, you had to make your presence known. I mean, we learned that the first day. It was like, right. you, you got to let people know, hey, um, you park your car here. That means that somebody's in here hunting. And generally right. people were pretty respectful of that. And, and the weekends were the worst, obviously. Yeah. 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 So long story short, we go to the, we find these elk. We make a guess on where they're going to bed in the middle of the day. Uh, we park, walk the whatever mile and a half uh, to get in there. And I was pretty impressed. I mean, me and Joaquin were brand new hunting together. And we were both like on the same page. We find these elk. We're sliding in there and it, we're going into elk paradise. As soon as we get in there, there's just elk sign everywhere. And I'm like, this is good. And we're creeping along just really slow, still hunting and looking. And Joaquin says, there they are. They're bedded. I got the herd right here. And I look and he can see through the thick brush a little hole and there's a cow and a calf bedded about 60 yards yeah it was about 65 it was it was i mean i wish i had my long lens on my camera because it was this it was an alleyway of trees and all you could see at the end of this alleyway of trees was just this this calf elk just bedded perfect i mean it was it was beautiful it would have made a great photograph but yeah we then we knew where they were and uh yeah had so plan from there you know, after listening to Paul Medale a bunch, I thought, well, this is uh, where the getting gets good here. So we got uh, we got as close as we could to the group, and we could tell we saw quite a few of them. They were spread out. We're within 50 yards. And so uh, I did a, a little short scream with some chuckles, and the group jumped up and started to uh, move around. And Joaquin came in with a, a bugle on top of my bugle. And, uh, we started pushing brush back and forth and I spotted the bulls coming our way. And I told Joaquin, we need, need to run about a hundred yards and we need to run now. And we were in some black huck and the plan was to do a big J hook on these bulls cause they were coming to get our wind. And I wanted to get around them and get around the group of cows and call them back in. And somehow it, 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 it worked. I mean, we, we ran out there, J hooked. Um, while we were running, I watched Joaquin roll his ankle really bad, <laughs> really bad. Like his whole foot rolled under him because I was following him footstep for footstep and I watched his whole foot roll and I was like, oh man, it's not good. And we, we hurry up and scurried. And as soon as we set up, we came back with a bunch of excited cow sounds and, and no more, no more bugling. And I think we painted the picture of two bulls that interrupted the herd and then for whatever reason, these, these two wild cows had ran from the scene <laughs> and, uh, it, it drew these two bulls in and they came in from our right to our left. Joaquin put me up front. He was back doing a few cow calls, what, 10 yards back. Yeah. And I made the giant, I made my first giant mistake. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I think if I would have stayed standing, and not got on my knees, um, things would have turned out differently. But when these two bulls came in, one came in left or right and he turned, and then he started coming back when the other one came in. Now I have two 
face to face and broadside inside a 20 and there's nothing but brush in front of the vitals on both bulls. There's just no shot. And they just stood there and I, I just waited for something else to happen. And what happened was they walked off and, uh, that, that was that it was a such a close encounter. And I thought, man, but I thought this is going to be too easy. Uh, we a confidence level was high. We were ten. Got this yeah. down. So yeah, we've yeah. got the, I've got this thing with my hunting partners when I'm hunting with guys. Like if if you're you know kind of down and out and you're a six, and and I'm an eight, then together we're a seven. So we're always checking each other's temperature. I'm like, dude, how are you? And he's like, uh, oh, I'm a seven. I'm like, okay, that's good because I'm a nine. That makes a snake <laughs> uh, type of thing. So, yeah, we were tens at this point. And so after these elk blew off, we didn't really pressure them. We kind of thought, oh, the wind's bad over there. We'll just leave them alone. And uh, Joaquin's like, dude, when I backed up, you got to come see this. So we go back there and we, we find a wallow. And we had already found – there's wallows everywhere in this country. We just kept finding wallows and rubs. And we were right in their bedroom and – it was pretty exciting. And those bulls didn't bugle at all, right? Zero. No, nothing. We didn't hear a bugle for a, dude, we didn't hear a bugle for a long time. Those, and the other thing about it, that as the hunt went along, we found that these elk were extremely call shy. Like it, it changed so quickly, but they, you were afraid to blow a call most of the yeah. time until, until we got late, late, late in the season. But uh, right. luckily, that that first time they didn't they didn't bug out. But when we did when we did start our sequence, they definitely got up and they started they started moving laterally away from us into the thicker timber, and they, and they were moving towards like James was saying, trying to get our wind. And and that was something that we we kept finding out. They whenever we would start a calling sequence, they would move. They wouldn't hang out and be, get curious. They would move to the escape route. And they might be a little curious from there, but they were those elk were. Uh, I have a suspicion though that a lot of times they would move off to the side, thinking we were another group of elk, and they would continue yeah. to be elk. Like yeah, uh, they Over weren't run, they weren't running yet. That comes yeah. later, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. these the ones, pressure- yeah, these ones, we never heard the dump truck through the forest. You know what I mean? We didn't hear them. They didn't blow out or anything, yeah. and. They 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 yeah, thought we were out. The pressure was light. Yeah, yeah. They'd only had a couple days of it really at that point. That was only the second day of season. So, right. um, so at some point there, I think we're kind of like seeing elk and kind of chasing elk, but not getting on elk. And you guys and then are just kind of goes dead. You on guys us, are right? just glassing now, right? There's not there's no bugling activity, so you guys are just um, glassing every day. No, well, no. It, also, I gotta mind you, I gotta go back to work, and Joaquin's hunting while I'm working, and I'm hunting after work. So, now I'm, I'm working in the woods though, and so actually that weekend at work, we get a bull bugling while we're working, and call him in, in, but we're not hunting, and we've got it on video. Um, and Joaquin's out burning some boot leather. He's going behind camp, he's got his onyx he is grinding he is scouting man i mean he's like okay there's no elk in this canyon but there's a lot of sign in this canyon um i'm getting off work and it's like i'm benefiting i'm like he's like dude we've got elk for us this evening because i found these elk (laughs) 
And nice. so it's awesome. Every evening I get off and I'm just racing back to see what Joaquin's got going on for us and get an evening hunting. And that's kind of what's going on. And then I, I work, uh, like three days and then I'm off for four days. So then I get a four day hunt. And on that four day hunt, um, we, it was, it was a tough hunt, right? That, uh, was that Labor Day weekend? Yeah, that second volley was, uh, that was the weekend, right? That was the big weekend you called it. Right. Yeah, it was, it was hard. That was really when the, the pressure, it started to affect their, their patterns. They were, the glassing wasn't as effective. Um, they were definitely leaving. They were, it was like glass and blacktail. Yeah, you know, they were, they were running elk. We would see elk in a clear cut literally running across the right. clear cut. Yeah. Oh, and they wouldn't, they would, they would come out to feed, but they wouldn't come out to feed until the very last light. And then they were leaving at the crack of first light. Like, you, you know, just when you can start effectively glassing with your binos, that's when they're leaving. I mean, you catch them skylined or catch them flipping into the timber. They were out of there. They kind of had an idea that the clear cuts were dangerous. And so the glassing was, we were doing it, but boy, it didn't feel effective. Well, we were but we started them. learning to glass where everybody else couldn't glass. Like try to find places yeah. that you could only see from this spot, not from yeah. multiple spots, because the elk knew it too. They knew if they could be seen from like nowhere or one spot and they felt better. You know, we, we were noticing that they would come out in areas where they couldn't be seen from. Yeah. Um, but I think at this point we were like, all right, we need to go back. I wanted to go back to the state. I wanted to go back to my home turf next door. Um, I wanted to get away from hunting the King's deer and go back to the public ground and try over there. Cause things were slow. And we needed gas, uh, for the, uh, Subaru. So, uh, we decided that we would run out, uh, run out, uh, there's this country gas station, get some gas, which is on the way to the state and go hunt the state land. And as we were leaving on the main road, I run into a herd of elk standing on the road and I split the group. And they go into some reap rod and I tell Joaquin, I'm like, dude, uh, there's, it's like hot outside to it was four. It was three or four. It was four o'clock. Four thirty. Four thirty, Yeah. Cause the gas station closed at five. Yeah. So we took off to the gas station and we get there at like five ten. gas stations closed and we're like, let's just leave your car at the gas station and go all the way back into the farm and hunt these, you know, try to find these elk. That was the plan because yeah. it seemed crazy to go to the state land when we had some elk now, even yeah, though they were road elk. Don't leave <laughs> elk to find elk. That's right. Yeah. So this was a good hunt. Um, we we get up uh, onto the unit, and these are uh, what what we call uh, our elk. Yeah. Um, these are, J- these are James's, elk. These no, are James's elk. Yeah. So these are the elk that we found on day one and we couldn't figure out where they'd gone. And now we've relocated them and where they were in the road was right underneath the two clear cuts, the original cut we found them in and the cut that we lost them in. Hmm. And they were right in sandwiched between the two. So we knew it was our elk and we knew we had at least three or four legal bulls. So here we are two hours later looking for them and we're thinking, you know, where did they go? What did they do? 
and we split up and Joaquin hiked up to an upper landing and I went down to a lower landing. And what we were doing was we were glassing this thick impenetrable reap rod underneath us, like, like 18 foot tall Christmas trees where the branches are still green to the bottom. And so they just kind of will slide into that stuff. And we're, we're staring at it. And just when I'm wanting to give up, I hear, and I'm like, Oh man, it's, they're in there. I, I can't believe that these elk didn't go nowhere. For the last three hours, they went 10 feet. Yeah. And they just stood there. And, and um, at this point, I'm worried that Joaquin is going to blow them out. And Joaquin had already seen them with his eyes. And he's worried I'm going to blow them out. So he's <laughs> running down the road to tell me about the elk. And I'm running back up the road to tell him about the elk. And we both run into each other. And we're shaking each other's heads like, we got elk. So go ahead, Joaquin. Tell us what happens next. Well, that was the interesting part. Here we are again parked on the landing or close to the landing. And they're, they're, they're funneling up the hill. And so we're trying to decide, you know, where they're going, what they're doing. And these elk, I mean – I don't want to give them any more credit than they deserve. They did not have a very good lead cow because they kept doing dumb stuff. And this was one of the dumb <laughs> things they did. They just walked up back up into this clear cut. This is the clear cut. We had bumped them out um, on, uh, morning. in the morning. We know where we drove right past them and they were cracking and popping. Well, they came right back into the same spot. And we had, we had set up on this landing behind this big slash pile. We were watching them come up and they moved into this little flat and james was really he was worried that he's like oh they're gonna see the truck you know they're gonna see the truck oh they're gonna blow out you know and we just kind of kept pretending like it wasn't gonna happen and he had a calling sequence going we were watching him you know we were just peeking over this we were high we were on another little bench behind a slash pile trying to sound like a couple elk right yeah and uh they I mean, they were they were aware that we were elk, is what I think it was. Going well, that on. bull that bull wanted to come, remember? Yeah, he wanted to come over so bad, and then the cow, this one cow, just kept stopping him, just man, just no. She put the brakes on him like three times. Yeah, and, and uh, then we we were kind of at a stalemate where they weren't coming to us much, and we couldn't really go to them, and um, they were in the middle of the cut at this point. Yeah, and. And uh, James looks over at me. I start, I tried flipping around down below because at first we thought they were actually going to come to us. And I was flipping around down below the slash pile to see if I could get any type of movement towards them, but I couldn't. I look over and James is sneaking away. He's he's flipping back towards the road and, and off the landing. And I was, you know, we I was kind of like I couldn't see him from where I was, and and I just I sort of heard it unfold. And I kept getting ready for him to move around the slash pile. They never did, and then. Um, James, why don't you tell the rest of what happened over there on your side? So I had this epiphany that we were running out of time. I knew it. And all of a sudden, I noticed a couple of them went up onto the gravel road where the, where the truck was. And I, I noticed that there was a little tiny corner in this 200-yard straight stretch of road. There was this little kind of a little bit of a bump corner and that little bit of a bump corner, they were standing on the other side of it, and they couldn't see the truck. And when I realized <laughs> they couldn't see the truck, I realized I had this little micro uh, topography that I could hide in. And my, it was a light 
light bulb. I instantly went into kill mode. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going. So when I got to the truck, I was like, okay, I'm 150 yards out. And I, I'm, I'm a soft baby foot guy. I don't take my boots off. I've done it in the desert before, but never on gravel or on hard anything. But I, I, I just knew that that was what I needed to do. So I took the boots off and I took like three or four steps and it hurt. And I was like, <laughs> but, but I knew, I, I knew right away though. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is going to work. This is amazing. Like I was a ninja. I couldn't believe I'm walking on gravel and I'm not popping it. And every step I took, I had a whole herd. And whenever some of them were looking my way or some of them were on the road and some, some of them were just down this cut bank on this flat. And I was covering ground as fast as I could one step at a time. And when I got down there, I found myself five yards from the group and the bull was now on the road where I needed him to be and I was in the ditch kind of kneeled down and here comes two calves and they walked by a bow length from me and I thought okay game over because when they get past me the wind's perfect in my face and when the calves get behind me they're going to blow out and I need to hurry up and shoot or something you know I'm, I'm really nervous and the calves go around me up the cut bank and into the timber above me and, and they start running around like running and I thought the whole herd was gone I thought okay they're running and so I poked my eyeball out and all of them were still there what was going on was the calves were just playing and the bull saw my eyeball and he kind of like looked my way and he took two steps towards me and then he stepped off back into the cut and when he did that two cows followed and when they did that, I followed and I took about five steps and then I drew my bow back and then I took two or three more steps and I pointed downhill like a tree stand shot and the elk were broadside about 30 yards and the bull was hard to my left broadside. So I had to kind of turn over. Now I'm at full draw for eight, nine seconds and I lined everything up and it felt good and the shot broke and I watched that arrow just go right underneath them. Oh. And oh, it was a heart sinker. I started shaking like a leaf right after the shot. He runs out to about 60 and stands broadside for the last 10 minutes of light. And the cows are meow, 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 meow. They're just mewing for those calves and they're just screaming and those calves come out. And our elk leave the same way they did the first time. And it was a heart heartbreaker. Dang it. Right under him, huh? Just right under him, man. Uh, cling miss. And I glassed right away thinking, did, yeah, did, did I get, nah. And uh, it was just right under him. I, I think I was just at full draw for so long and I, I was tilted down. I don't know, excuses. Need to shoot my bow more. I don't know. <laughs> the uh, wind. Was, I always go with the wind. The wind caught right. it. Right. There was no wind. <laughs> it was dead still. Yeah. It was yeah. dead still. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I was calm as a cucumber. I just, uh, I guess I had the yardage wrong. It looked closer. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's so happens. I heard the shot from my, from my vantage point. I had lost sight. 
I couldn't really peek around and see the bull anymore. I just had these cows that kind of had, I couldn't get out and see. So I knew the bull was missing. I knew James was missing. And I, and he was silent. And, I, and then I heard the shot break. And then I heard, you know, I heard the bull take off and he came into my picture and he stopped. And I just kept waiting for him to just tip over. I was just like <laughs> counting it out. I was like, Oh man, Oh, he's just going to tip over right there. And they were Oh, and I started doing uh, some caps and lost cap sounds and I was, calf calling and I was trying to hold them there and I thought well maybe James is going to get another shot you know he's going to put another one in him and then we did that until last light and then they just sort of like you said they drifted off and, and we, those we did you and those calf sounds he was doing did hold him there did you yeah. ste- did you yeah. step it off afterwards James yeah I actually went back uh and stepped or it range, off and, range it or yeah. anything yeah it, it it was like 32 33 yards yeah see downhill. I downhill that's so, like if if I if it's thirty four yards, like I'm I'm good out to like thirty, thirty one, thirty two. Like if I that's like my, you know, I pick a spot and the magic happens. But if it's a little bit further than that, that's when it starts to really dive off for me. So I find when I, you know, it might not have been your shot is what I'm saying. It might just have been that uh, that extra uh, couple yards. Uh, I feel that I right under him. You know, I feel like that with forty. 40 usually, but I think it was an extreme downhill shot and I did draw my boat and then walk at full draw and then tilt at full draw. And then, and then I was pointing at cows. So then realign on the bull. So I think I was at full draw for too long. If that, and and at that point, I bet you I was short drawing. Well, yeah, a little week after I get a little week after about three seconds. Yeah. So, uh, excuses, excuses. Uh, it was an opportunity. If I would have done it differently, I would have drawn the bow. I would have just poked over the corner and then drawn the bow. But at this I think point, it would have been, it's early in the season. No big deal, right? You're like, we got some action. Right. Yeah. No, no big deal. <laughs> I, I'm actually like, okay, I've got a shot. I've called, called bulls in. Um, yeah. get the miss out. It's always good oh, to get the happy. miss out of the way early. That's the way I look at it. It's always good to get that out of the way yeah. early. Now you're due. Yeah. Uh, and we're going back to camp every night at like, you know, getting back to camp at like 11. And we're cooking up, uh, um, as Joaquin alluded to, he went to BC. So he had moose and caribou and mountain goat. And he killed a blacktail this year already. So he had a blacktail. So Joaquin brought all the game meat. And uh, I brought the vegetables. And yeah. uh <laughs> We were doing a big uh, game meat vegetable dinners every night, which was super awesome. We had uh, some salmon, and I brought a couple uh, tuna loins. We get we get tuna here offshore a little bit too. And I, he said, "What do we have for dinner?" And I said, "Well, we're gonna have salmon and tuna." And he kind of like looked at me a little funny about the tuna. And uh, I go, "It'll be good." And we cooked it up, man. After he had that first bite, it was like. You had to fight him off of it. He liked it after that. <laughs> he was a little suspect at first. Oh, uh, yeah. Good for we got dinner. We got to the point, yeah. though, where, where we were a little down in the dumps, and I had uh, I had saved my last package of backstraps from my elk, oh, yeah. and I'd saved my elk's heart from last year. Yeah. And I was like, dude, we got to eat my elk's heart to get the elk power back. <laughs> like and it. Uh, it was it, there was a turning point. There was a turning point after we ate, ate the elk's heart, I yeah. felt. Yeah, I think so too. I shaved my beard off. I got, we, we did a full cleanse. 
we changed everything up. We went, yep. we had yeah, we yeah. made the final push. And and we started uh we came up with an idea to I don't want to give up our tactics too much, but we we started realizing that we were going to hunt um, timber company land and government land and state land that we weren't going to just put all our chick, all our, uh, eggs in one basket. And I think yeah. that that started, that started really paying off. That had to do a lot with the days of the week. A big part yeah. of that was, and I think that that's clear that, you know, that's true for anybody who's hunting, you know, a mix of different company land and stuff is that, well, you get, you get places where people, if they have an afternoon to hunt after work or if they get the weekend to hunt, they're going to hit it hard and they're going to drive and cover ground and, and they're going to push on elk. And when they do those areas that have roads and have the ability to be pounded, they're going to get pushed out of, um, hold on a second. I'm sitting in my, one of my bedrooms downstairs and there's a non-typical black tail walking right by the window right now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. He's a one by, he's a one by six. He's got a busted leg. He kind of comes right on our house every once in a while. Just distracted me. Sorry about that. Um, but, uh, you know, we found that during those times, we were like, well, we better slide over to this area. You know, this area is a little more roadless, or let's look up here. Let's look where they're pushed away. You know, where are they going? We started trying to, to think it a little bit. You know, like a lot of those good hunters will do is they'll play the hunter instead of playing the animal. And uh, not that we're, we're good hunters, but we were, you know, we weren't having any luck doing the other one. So yeah, we don't want to try. And we started changing our calling a little bit and going with yeah. more raking and panting and grunting and, and not yeah. such like big bugles and big cow calls. And, and, and we were starting to get, uh, that's kind of when we met the growler, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. James has got this, he is the bull of the woods. This His bugle has got, I mean, it's got some depth to it and some baritone and uh it's a good good challenge people in mind my voice is a little uh sharper <laughs> and uh and it pierces a little more so my bugle is a little more high pitched and a little less threatening and we kind of made a switch um we still did the the two we called it the domestic violence act where we would <laughs> you know if we got in there and uh we got a calling sequence going on and and, and they seem to be moving out a little bit or or act, you know nervous about it i'd throw another bugle in so then it was just me and him you know it was just two bulls and some cows and we're having our own little domestic violence and that seemed to calm the you know the elk that we were working on down but oh wait crystal started hunting with us at this point oh yeah yeah that was another big change that was another one that we had talked about i forgot about uh, that so yeah you gotta you gotta tell us about crystal well we got I have a, a, a heads up decoy that i you know, basically just carry around in my backpack all the time because, you know, when are you going to bring the thing out and then you're carting it around and you got to stand it up. And James kept telling me, he goes, dude, he goes, there's these guys, man, and they, they got this tactic that they make these little elk caps, you know? And I'm like, dude, I, I go, I'll, I'll wear an elk cap, you know? And he's like, oh, we got to make one and we got to make one. And we finally one morning I just, I said, all right, you know, and I pulled, I pulled the, the decoy out that I had and I just I cut the head off of it. I made a sweatshirt out of the, out of the body and threw that on. And then I took uh, one of my ball caps and spun it around and, and <laughs> made this, made this uh, cow head that stood up on top of my hat. If I wore my hat backwards and then we painted <laughs> my face brown and we named her crystal because we had to get a name that was, you know, going to draw in some L. Sluter. Uh, <laughs> Sluter name. Yeah, yeah. Just a little. Fellas. Little, you know, 
<laughs> fellas, when when your elk when your elk hunting partner will dress up like a cow elk, you you got it made. I, I promise. <laughs> Dude, I kept telling James, I kept telling him, I go, the, the only thing I'm worried about is I I said you just got to watch out for youth hunters because there's like a youth cow rifle tag in there. Oh, I, said, yeah. I just don't want to get blasted. I, that's the only thing, no man. Kidding. I go, I will run around and act like a crazy cow elk all day long. I said, I just don't want to get shot. So he wore he wore <laughs> this hat for the next 10 days, for the rest of the season. Yeah. And um, tell him, I mean, tell him about when we, the, the quick story on this one, we see a giant bull bedded in the morning in the fog. We go after him. Uh, we separate, we blow them out, and Joaquin goes after the herd it, straight up through a clear cut. And you, you tell the story of, of the elk and Crystal. Well, we split up, James and I did. He he started heading back the way we had come because, like you said, there was a bull bedded right up the road. And I slipped and crossed this creek, and the, and the plan was I was going to try to get behind them because we every time we were moving on them, they were moving in their escape route, and we we didn't want them to go back because if they went back, they were going through a clear cutting up a hill. So I was trying to get behind them, but by the time I got over there, they were already, the cows were filtering through, and uh, they were heading up up this steep cut, and then a bull was following shortly. And so I was cow calling and and, and, and estrus whining, and then were, I was a bull as well, and I was raking, and I kind of got their attention, and they paused a little bit, and then it got to this point where they were, they would gain five yards and then they would look back and they would gain five yards and they would look back. And I was in this timber and I just thought, well, I'm just going to go. And, and so I just dove across this Creek and started uh, moving through this timber and they were looking right at me. And I just kind of kept my head down and just kept cow calling and cow calling and cow calling. And they were, I mean, they were like 60 yards away from me up on this steep hill. And they were looking right at me. I was walking right Afton and they and I just kept calling and calling and whining and whining and um I was cow calling and and and, and moving right towards them and they if, now if you're looking at I'm in this I'm in this drainage at the bottom of the drainage and they're probably a good you know 100 feet in elevation above me on this on this bank that goes to the left this clear cut on the left and there's a, a strip of timber that runs right down the middle of the draw where I'm at and then there's another clear cut on the right those elk, I started going at them and cow calling, and they dropped down into that draw and came up my side. And they didn't come to me, but they definitely came where they got on, on my side. And they made I, it easier for you to get to them. Oh, dude, they were waiting on me. I mean, they were, they just, the only problem was this crystal, she's not in the best shape and she can't keep up with elk. <laughs> and I was like, trying to, I was trying to cow call on them and I was wheezing. I was like, <laughs> trying to catch my breath. Because you know how elk are, they just, they're running up a mountain, and I'm trying to run up and catch them, and I'm trying to stay all hunkered over, and I would get, you know, I'd gain, and I'd get 40 yards from them, and then they'd, they'd walk up the hill, and they'd wait, and they'd look back at me, and I'd cow call, and cow call, and then they would wait, and then I'd go, and they, they just kept, uh, they kept waiting on Crystal to catch up to them, but she couldn't do it. Uh, that, for me, that was a, that was like this confidence builder. I was like, dude, this they, thing works. Right at I mean, it works, man. I stared at me. I've seen it several times. We get on elk and they'd look at him and they were like, Oh, there's an elk. It was yeah. awesome. It was really impressive. Uh, that was a big bull that slipped out between our fingers that day. That was a nice yeah. 300 class black antlered beast. Oh yeah. Um, we went on to having a really cool glassing session where we found three herds or we found 
found two herds, and on our way to go after a herd, we found a third, and we hunted each group, and each group we almost got shots on. We would hunt one, and it blew out. We went and found the other one, and hours later, we went and found the other one. It was really like coming together, and we started getting our first bugles, and it, it was starting to come together there at that point. Yeah, and we, nice. the next morning we went and pushed on some again, the same the same one that we had saw when we were driving, and we got on them and got it all got real close, and that was really one of the one of the times when we were really feeling like, all right, this is you know we just got to keep pushing and keep uh, uh, keep doing the things we're doing, and we're gonna get some opportunities. You know, there was definitely like we were saying, there was definitely cars and people, you know, in the mix, but if you could find the elk and get in on them you know, you had your chances. We definitely had our opportunity. Yeah, plenty. I mean, you had up in the big timber that day, you had a bull come in uh, in range and just didn't, couldn't, had brush in the way. And uh, I just passed on a shot. It, it was like we had, we were separate that day and I had gone way up, up and uh, hiked out this. I had gone up to this area to do a little bit of glassing and I saw this big clear cut and uh, parked my car and started walking up it. And for one, I was going to, I was going to glass from it. So I thought it would be a good, really good glassing location. But then as I got through it and I got over this, you know, cut this ridge and got over where this other basin opened up, I could hear them snapping and popping, moving up to this clear cut. And I looked over and there's a nice, I mean, a, a nice price, you know, 270, 280, you know, six by six, really good fronts on him. Um, it's a giant. And, yeah, a, a really nice bull. And he's, he is moving with, you know, uh, four cows and he skylines and then he drops down the other side into this next surf cut. So I hustle around and I get on the ridge that they're on and I look and I just in time to hear him going up into this, um, dark timber and, and be behind the dark timber is some, some older timber. And so that I make a move on him and I can hear them calling. I get over where they are and I find this, this just incredible rub. I mean, it was, it was a dandy of a rub. I mean, it was, it was stripped up and he had, it smelled great. He had mud. There was a wallow he'd hit before he had made it. It, it made my day. Those are on <laughs> the, that, that rub, that rub and that wallows on the, on my, on our Instagram account. Yeah. And, and they were gone though. They had flipped out. Um, they had gone down into the timber and, um, you know, worked a little bit farther downhill and, so I moved around and ended up staying on the ridge and I got on Onyx and I was like, Oh, well, here's a decommissioned road that goes, stays on this ridge. It doesn't drop any elevation. It goes for like two miles. So I thought, well, I'll just walk that. And I started walking this thing and, um, I got all the way down, uh, towards the end of it and made this, uh, I, I, there was a, an old stump that they had rolled up when they had made the road and it was just over the bank and there was a spot where you could stand. I stand on top of it and, I looked down below me and there's just this cow bedroom down there, probably 30 year old timber, um, just beds everywhere, ferns. It was perfect. It was flat. It was just this incredible area. And I thought, Oh man, the wind was blowing hard in my face. And I, I let a bugle out there and I was, uh, you know, honestly, I was glassing for sheds at that point. <laughs> and I was, I was picking my way through the little pockets and I was looking, I've never found an elk shed. I, re I really been wanting to find one. And so I'm looking and I'm looking, looking and I'm looking, you know, and all of a sudden I, I set my glass, I take my binos down away from my face and 50 yards away, here's this bull and he's walking right towards me and he's he, head down. And you're know? in a, you're in a 250 year old, old growth 
stand of Doug Fur. It's and and it's just beautiful. It's like it's like a stadium in there. Yeah, and that's right behind me. That's all right behind me, and I'm right on the edge looking down into this into this you know younger timber, and there's this bull, and here he comes, and he's head down. He's kind of sniffing around, and I'm just looking at him, going, "Oh man, he's coming. He's coming right to me." And uh, he starts he's, he's beelining right at me, and, but he's got about a I don't know, a 60 or an 80 foot climb. Now about, no, a little, a little bit farther than that. Cause it, cause it was about 50 yards straight, you know, at a pretty steep angle straight down to where he was. And they, and I'm looking how he's coming and I'm thinking, Oh, he is going to come right around this stump. You know, he's going to, he's going to walk right around this stump. And I kept, I had these visions of South Cox. I was like, Oh man, is he going to come on the left or is he going to come on the right? You know, I was sitting there, I got all nervous. I kind of pumped. I, I, did, I made the same mistake. I got down on my knees because I didn't want to be standing up. I, and I thought, if I get right here, I can cover him on the left or I can come on the right. I mean, I was looking at like a like a five-foot shot. Perfect. And I just thought, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. And sure enough, he didn't do what I wanted him to do. He didn't read the script. And I caught movement about, about 25 yards out. He had taken this other path. And he stepped behind this other giant and these stumps are probably you know they're five foot furs i mean five foot through furs to the to the root wide on them you know 12 foot and there, there's this other big one that's rolled halfway down the hill and he's i see him go behind this thing and i look right where i anticipate where he's going to come out and i look at it and i think oh that's about 27 yards it's going to be it's going to be money you know it's going to be a really good shot and, and so i'm sitting there and i'm getting ready i got pressure on the string and i'm and i'm looking and Sure enough, there he comes out. But when he comes out, he's quartering to me, and he's leading with his with his left leg. Uh, and he just there was just a lot of shoulder. That's just really what I saw. I mean, I had a clear sight picture of him. It was just a lot of shoulder. And I could have tried to slip it behind there. I, I couldn't really slip it in front, and I I just didn't want to wound him. And yeah. and I thought. And I thought he's gonna he's coming up the hill. I mean, it wasn't no stopping him. I hadn't called or anything for a while, and so I thought, well, I'm gonna get a better shot. And so he came up another five yards. I had let that window go, and he he paused for a second and he turned away from me. Now he's quartering away, and he walks about five paces, and he's over there at thirty yards, quartering away. He starts eating. You know, he's eating on these browsing and chewing on some stuff. And I'm like, all right, I go, well, you'll get a better shot than that. He's gonna come up to the road. He knows right where you called from. You know, he's gonna he's He's going to slip around. The wind was great. It was right in my face, blowing hard. And uh, he takes, he turns, he finishes eating, and he turns and he walks right to the road. And right then, I just feel a little bit of tickle on the back of my neck. Mm. And his head, I mean, his head just, it snapped. He just swung his antlers around a couple different ways. And I, I, I saw him getting real nervous, and I let out a little cow call. And he had just, he spun and, and uh, took off down the hill. And it was, it was a freight train. And I was like, oh, but, you know, the more that I think about it, I'm, I'm fine with not taking that shot. Oh, um, no. yeah. You know, I know that, yeah, it, it just, there was one way it would have ended well. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and that's how this hunt was going. This yeah. was like. Just a little turn. Is this hunt was like a lot of close. Yeah, a lot of close yeah. encounters with just brush in the way or shoulder in the way. We just were like. We were getting getting into them hot and heavy, just no breaks. Yeah, everything. It was we we were looking for one little thing. Like if he to come out and pause, I probably would have shot him. If he would, but he wasn't. He was moving, 
And the first instance that I had was that shoulder. And then, you know, and then, then when there was a good angle, he was, he was still moving. And I didn't want to cow call and stop him. I just thought, well, you know how it is. You take your chances and you, and you gamble and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't mind passing on that. It was, he was a nice bull. I mean, he was a nice five by five. He was probably, oh, I don't know, you know, 220 or something like that. Uh, probably a three and a half year old, four year old bull, bull, something like that. I'm not sure how to, you know, age him, but the body was, he was, you know, he was in that mid range, you know, between, he wasn't a, he wasn't a bruiser, big body bruiser, but he wasn't a small spike body either. He was, he was a good body to help. Yeah. It was tough. That was a tough one, but I was excited because I was I got to go back and tell James I was like, dude, I found this giant rub, and I I passed <laughs> on the shot. I had a shot, and the wind swirled, and oh, I found this other place. It's amazing. It's got all this bedding, you know. And I kept taking, I kept taking James on these like walkabouts, you know. That's, oh, that's this spot, I, I think we we're gonna kill one in a tree stand on opening day next year in this spot. I really believe that one yeah. of us is going to put one down in there in the first weekend because. It's just nicely secluded. Uh, it's just a great spot for sure. And so I, basically at this point, we have had a whole bunch of run-ins and a lot of close calls and just, just little things kept getting us. Um, and I'm still going to work during the week. I'm getting some weekend hunts in. And at this point, I've got, I think, nine or ten days, and Joaquin's got like 15 days of elk hunting in. Plus I've got a few evening hunts in. And I've got the last uh, nine days, ten days to wrap it up, um, and I'm done with work. And uh, Joaquin runs home for a couple days to see his family, and we're now meeting back up. We're going for the the last nine day grind, and I think in that, I mean, we were trying every trick in the book. We were trying to like glass spots for hours, or just glass for ten minutes and go to the next glassing spot. We, we, we hiked, we did a death hike trying to get into <laughs> some state lands behind some people's place that we thought was going to be a hike for elk. And that was a sweaty mess. That was an investment for a uh, late season, I think. That maybe. Was, yeah, that, I think it was too. I think that we think the bulls are probably wintering in there. And so that so we yeah. learned, it was a lot of scouting and a lot of learning. Yeah. Um, but the elk aren't at this point. We're not getting the full fired up, screaming, tearing it up until we get to the last like three days. Really, I mean, we got on the growler. That was uh, that was uh, I think the Friday or something like that. And then we got then we had Saturday it was a pretty null day, and then Sunday. And that was, you know, those so were the two real encounters that we had that we had communication going both ways without really. Yeah, let's, let's wrap it up with the growler and then Sunday. And then I should wrap the season up pretty good. So yeah, the growler is a bull that would, when we would go up into this old growth, he, he would respond to your bugle only. Yeah. Yeah. Only my bugle and only about one time. Five, Five minutes after you gave it, and it what he was from his bed, and it what he wasn't even responding to you. He was just letting you know, I'm over here. You know, That's, we, yeah. you know, it was like yeah. a temperature check. And I slipped down there one time, and I thought, oh boy, you know, it was close. It was a there was a property boundary that we couldn't quite get into, and so I slipped all the way down to that, and I was trying everything I could. Yeah, and I could smell him, but I so he wouldn't move. And the elk, 
there's a property boundary in there of some private timber company land that we didn't have a permit or permission to be on, but it was thick reaper on. We couldn't hunt them in it anyway. So we yeah. knew that we could hunt them on the BLM land, but he was a thousand feet elevation below us or so yeah. 800. And so we checked him over a period of a week. And every time we check on him, he would just give us the half heartedly. Yeah. That's One like all he, he did. did. One time oh, he yeah. did a chuckle at the end. That was it. Yeah. He chuckled. When he chuckled, I said, I bet you he's going to be ready tomorrow or the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So we went back and we checked him and he screamed back with a chuckle and we were like, okay. And it was in a different location. He had been calling from this area to the left. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, man, if he, I told James before we called, I go, if we can, if he would, it would just be really nice if he would answer to from, the right, to the right <laughs> and down about and 500 feet in elevation. And dude, it was exactly where he, he answered from. It did. Joaquin was like oh, looking, man. he goes, dude, if he would answer right here, he, he'd be killable. And he hammered right there. And I was like, oh, I had the biggest smile. I was like, I'm a 10. Yeah. <laughs> People about the magic wandu. People about the magic wandu and said, call from over there. And that's what he did. And it was in old growth uh, madrone and old yeah. growth fur. Yeah. So the leaves on the ground were slick and loud. And it was straight up and down like four-wheel drive style elk trail just bombing straight down into the hole. Mm-hmm. And we knew if we got down to the middle bench where they were at and we could set up, we would probably put it together. And our setup was so clean and we had that good sideways wind where they felt safe and we were good. And, man, I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure the lead cow comes out of the reap rod underneath us and gets one eyeball through the brush, and she sees me raking a tree, and that's all it took, man. The whole game was over. Yeah. They were smart. They were smart. That was a really smart group of elk. I mean, you could tell the difference. Yeah. And, and I, we I had, saw a flash of the bull, and all I knew was it was a giant. That's all I really yeah. saw. Well, I had when I had walked along, I had walked on this, this, this road two times without James, and the first time – I had got that five point, and then the second time I was walking, and I was kind of having a rough day. Didn't have my head in it. The wind was blowing really hard from my left to my right, and I was walking down this road, and I was looking on my left side, on my left side, and I blew out a giant of a bull. Yes, yeah. from maybe from maybe thirty paces. I mean, he was right there. He was he was either standing or bedded on the right side of the road. Where he let me. I mean, he blackmailed me. He let me walk past him like 20 yards, get past him, and then he took off running. And he ran, and he, and he went up on this little knob, and he looked, and he got through, through this. It was all old growth. I mean, the trees are pipes, and they're, they're you know, four-footers and five-footers. It is huge timber. And he gets up on this little knob, and he, you know how they look? They cock their head, and they look with one eye, and he looked with one eye at me, and I just saw this giant rack, and I, I was sick to my stomach i thought boy sure should have had your head in the game you know (laughs) i learned my lesson there and i and i'm pretty you know pretty convinced that that was the same bull that we that we had run into down there and that we thought that we thought that he was the growler you know that that yeah because this area didn't have but one herd of elk in it it was a it was kind of yeah desolate but it was a place where they were hiding out so we get to the so we have to drop more elevation going after these elk and we get down into the bottom 
to the bottom of the bottom on a BLM road. And I had joked, I was like, dude, what if we could bugle in some hunters and get a ride to the top? Let's call Airbnb. Yeah. And so we get into the bottom <laughs> and we're sitting there talking and I was like, and it's like an hour before dark. And I said, well, dude, I'm going to crack some bugles, you know, who knows? And I crack a bugle and we get a bugle back and then we hear a truck come our way and then the truck stops and then the, and then we hear a bugle again. Okay. And a great bugle. Yeah. <laughs> and I would go and Joaquin's shaking his head and I go running up the road. I'm like, dude, I'm getting this ride. <laughs> He's so pumped. He's like, I'm going to go get us a ride. And I'm thinking like, dude, of, of all the people that I've seen, in this on this hunt there's not very many of them that i'd want to jump in a rig with you know what I mean? he's like <laughs> they're just they're just doing things a little different and uh he's like he goes it, tearing it, off down the road we got snacks set out we're eating i got my water bottle i'm flashlights because it's going to be a three and a three and a half mile walk back to the truck yeah yeah and uh I, it ends up being what's her name uh, Martha, maybe. Martha, Betsy. She was the nicest lady. And her husband. Full oh, camo. Bad. She had yeah. a, a necklace on with every elk call that's ever been manufactured in nice. the history of elk calls. She it had a like, bugle. You know those guys that keep the, uh, you know those guys that are duck hunters and they keep the, uh, Bands. The, lanyard. The, oh, dude, it looked like a lanyard. It was a full, la- she had a full lanyard. She was like, this <laughs> way I can sound like a whole herd. She was great. She was yeah. really great. Her and her husband uh, gave us a ride back up to the top and yeah. uh, gave us a chance to, to go uh, get back in the game and glass some more elk. And um, then uh, what the – so then that moves us to the last day? No, we, then we hunted the next day, and it was it was kind of a dud. Yeah. We, I mean, we looked, and we, we, we pounded ground and glass and did everything we could, but we just didn't turn anything up at all. And I had debated on tree stand hunting the last day because we hadn't tree stand hunted yet. And we are pretty convinced that some of this new ground we have besides the wallows for early season, but we've got some transition areas uh, that we think are going to be deadly. And I thought about trying to set up on one and I just couldn't do it. I just wanted to pound it out for the last Last day with my buddy and 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 see what we could do. So uh, uh, go ahead and tell tell this was our best hunt of the season. Really, this was so. our best one. But first, I got to tell this one other story. We we get on these elk. It was the, when we when we had a great day where we spotted those three groups of elk and we got on them. Well, the next morning we went and got on this one group and we chased them around and blew off. And I went after the herd and James was working on this four point that was in the he was in the thick reprod i'm looking over the edge and they you know i go blowing up and i i meet we we blow them out and then uh we meet back up and i tell him i go well i'm gonna walk through the reprod and see what it looks like and then you know grab the car and meet me down at the bottom if you want to do that he's like all right so then i come out of the reprod and i'm down there and i see this toyota pickup go rolling by me with the school of crab rope in the back and i kind of like i kind of wait to come out they drive down the road they park for a little bit and they look like they're turning around, so I start walking down the road. And uh, they pull up, and they go, uh, they're like, did you just come out of there? And I go, yeah, these two younger guys, you know. Uh, and the one guy's looking at me, and he's like, he's got this big old grin on his face. He's like, well, boy, he's like, I got a story for you. And I'm like, okay, what do you got? And he's like, he's like, you were up there calling those elk, right? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, he's like, when you were on that landing, and you were looking down, he's like, there was a four-point bull 
standing on top of that land and he was looking down at you. And dude, these guys were having so much fun telling me the story. They were the guy. He was trying not to be mean about it, but no, oh, he was holding back his laughter. And his buddy in the practice, he just leans, almost leans out his window. He's like, he was looking down at you. You were looking down, and he was looking over your shoulder. Oh, dude, they were having the best time telling me about this. And I was like, yeah. I'm like, well, I was looking at this other bull, and they're like, yeah, but he was looking down at you. <laughs> oh, it was, uh, that was that was one of my high points of the whole – I'll never forget that guy's voice. Boy, he was so happy. We, I, I think we probably made their season, dude. Those, those guys were so stoked. I'm sure they'll retell that story about the silly guys with their stick bows. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> what had happened was I was trying to get on that bull, and Joaquin was on the big bull, and my bull had – Headed over towards Joaquin, and Joaquin was trying to call the big bull in, and this bull snuck in and was looking at Joaquin straight down on him. And uh, from yeah, so. twenty from twenty five yards probably, and I can yeah. picture it because I knew right where I was standing. And I, and I we actually looked at that spot, dude. It must have looked really funny because I knew right where they were parked. It, uh, we were both skyline. You know, here I am skyline looking downhill, and here's this bull skyline twenty five yards behind me, peeking over the edge, looking right at me. It, it must have been. We were, be, we were a mile behind a locked gate, but that didn't yeah. matter because people could see us from other landings. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can see everything yeah. everywhere just about. And I, I lost so many things during this hunt, like elk calls and bugles and hats, but I always hiked back in there and was able to find it. So that was good. So let's move right into the, the, the last day. The last day was uh, the last day was a rough one. Um, I mean, it was, it started out great. We, uh, we got up and, and this was a big part of what we discovered was that if you got up in the morning, it was foggy. You had two choices. One was to run all the way up to this top spot and try to look above the fog to cut. So it'd be above the fog. And if it was, if it's a weekend or a high pressure time, um, you're wasting your time because those elk are out of the clear cuts too early. The last day was foggy and, uh, we thought, well, let's just, let's go see if we can turn some up in some of this bottom land. And I said, well, hold on, let's go up to this. We had this spot that we called Gold Hill. I said, let's go to Gold Hill. And let's uh, see if we can glass underneath the fog. And we got up there and it was foggy. I mean, it's thick, thick soup fog. And so we can't glass at all. And so we're going to roll off there and we say, well, let's just crack a bugle before we go. So we crack one bugle off and we get a chuckler. And we know what this place looks like. It's a big open cut. I mean, it, you know, the trees are four feet tall and spaced out and there's one uh patch of uh you know this this timber left in there maybe a 150 foot circle it's and a this, giant giant clear cut yeah it's huge i mean it's you know four what do you think it is five six hundred yards across something like that more okay. than that yeah yeah it's a long way it's a long yeah. way and uh so we hear this, we hear this chuckler. We both look at each other with suspects. You know, it's the last day of season and we're like, Oh, here's a, it's a hunter. But it was weird because it was a chuckle. And so I start raking a little bit and he chuckles again. And, and this time it's got a little more texture to it. And we're like, dude, I think that's a bull. So, and he's like 500 yards out. Yeah. And I tell, and I tell James, I go, look, I go, I'll stay here and rake and call and I'll just keep getting them to pipe off. You slip down there. Just slip down there. You just be a disobedient cow. And we would kind of play this little game, too, where we were the, you know, we get this one from the elk nut where you're, the cow is leaving, you know, and the bull's mm-hmm. getting upset and he's getting mad. And so we kind of played that on him. And uh, 
And, and visibility was five yards. Oh, it was so tight and so Soupy. Close. So, so wet, rainy, oh, thick, yeah. thick fog. And, yeah, and so we're – I'm up top, and I am breaking a sweat. I'm telling you, dude, I am breaking and raking <laughs> and running around. And, and there are cars driving. Cars. There are cars. Every, every two minutes, there's a car driving by on the lower road. A truck <sighs> pulls up behind our rig. A big old Ford pulls up. You can hear it. And I'm raking, trying to cover the sound of this, of this and, truck. And the bulls are screaming over the top of all this road noise. They don't even care. I've got at least seven or eight bulls cutting loose at this point. They are coming from the left. They're coming from the right. They're down low. They're right under me. I am trying to get to them, and they are coming up out of the valley towards me. Dude, and I think it's all hunters. That's what I think. I think we got one bull, <laughs> and I think we got all these Six hunters. hunters. When that truck pulled up, and I could, those guys, and I could hear that they were getting ready to get out of their truck, I just turned my bugle, and I just bugled right at them. And then I, every time, every time what I thought would be a hunter was bugling from over here, I'd just bugle at him, and I'd rake. I was running around. I was running all these different directions. There was one from the same elevation as me. I was grabbing. I'd run back. There was this down tree i'd run back and i'd break a bunch of branches off it i'd grab a branch i'd run out to the front on the other side of this uh scotch broom and i'd rake the scotch broom i ran down towards james 100 yards down the hill once and then came back and the whole time i'm this upset bull talking to the cow and i could hear james slipping down there slipping down there slipping down so i'm yeah so i'm now like 200 yards down this cut and it's benching out and I'm popping and snapping, but I haven't cow called yet. I haven't made any cow. I haven't made no elk sounds. I'm just trying. It's real slippery and it's super foggy, and I'm just hearing screaming. And the elk are getting closer and closer because they're advancing and I'm advancing. And each time I move a little bit, I'm thinking, look for a shot. And I'm, I'll, I'll put an arrow on. I'll look for a shot. I'll put the arrow back. I'll slide down the hill a little further. And I feel like they're going to come in. Like they're, I, I hear raking, I hear chuckling, I hear cow chirping, I hear screaming, I hear bulls fighting, horns clacking. Gravel like, roads, cars, horn car, honking. Yeah, and this is going on for an hour now. Yeah. And it's still like now the visibility is like 10 yards instead of five yards. And what happens is I run into a bluff. And the elk are, the bluff is like only like, 15 yards 20 yards tall it's not very tall or no or like 15 feet tall 20 feet tall and the wind is coming right to left and the elk are trying to get me to come around to the right and i'm trying to skirt this bluff that ends up being like a hundred yards long to the left to get around it and by this point i can hear a hunter bugling off the road and joaquin's running up and down and I got this chuckler that just won't stop chuckling. He comes in. At one point, I see a giant rack of a 300-inch bull. And, and then I see another bull run at him. And I'm trying to figure out how to get a south cox shot, like, off the bluff because they're coming in and out of the fog under the bluff. And it's like a 20-yard shot, but they're just not cooperating. They're just moving around everywhere. And so I'm like, man, I almost thought about sliding on, on my butt down the bluff, but I probably would have broke my legs. <laughs> so I start trying to move around it and I get frustrated because the elk start moving away from me and they get a ways away from me. And hindsight, I kind of wish I would have done something different, but what I decided to do was I decided to back out 
and hope that when I got up and around, Joaquin had seen them or had a game plan because these elk were hot and I, they hadn't got my wind. I had good wind this whole time. So I start cow calling and running up the hill and I've got that Kafaru Puffy on because it's like 40 degrees. <laughs> and that Las Parca is the best thing in the world for glassing, but you don't want to run, especially if you're fat. Dude, you don't <laughs> want to move. You can't move in that thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like dope. And so I'm running up the, running up the freaking hill with the Kafaru Puffy on and I'm mew, 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 mew. And I can't really hear anything because I'm just trying to get up there as fast as I can. And Joaquin's like, dude, the elk are following you up the hill. Well, I, now at this point, so this, this is an hour and a half in and I can't see anything. All I can hear is James move down. He starts calling. And he sounds like he's right in him. And so, oh yeah, while, I started cow calling. Yeah, I started cow calling, and that fired him up like, like extreme. Uh, so hold on, I got my my boy just came in. <laughs> Give me a kiss. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go hang out with Mama while I do this. I just gotta finish up. I'm, um, I'm bringing my boys out upstairs. <laughs> but that's a that's a good idea. You can get them upstairs, and then I'll come up and play with you as soon as I'm done with this. Okay. Okay, I love you. Um. So. Uh, all I can hear is all as I'm thinking, like, what is going on? Like, where's the shot? And at one point, I hear what I think is a shot, and then there's that was fighting, bulls fighting. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, well maybe you got a shot, you know? And then I hear James coming back up the hill, nice and slow, cow calling, and I'm like, dude, it's hunters. And I, and I, and I, cause I had to slip over to the side to get, keep the wind good. Yeah. And I'm standing there and I just quit calling. I quit raking and I'm, I'm talking to myself and I'm just telling myself, I'm a, you're an idiot. You are an idiot. You think that there are that many elk down there. I'm like, that's a group of hunters. There's no way that bulls would keep you going. Cars driving on the gravel road. There's eight, there's, you know, two, two different rigs drove up to where we were all this time. I'm just telling myself, like, you just called in about eight hunters and you gave them a good morning. <laughs> so James is walking up, and I'm, I, dude, I got my hands on my hips. I'm just, dude, I, I get up to the landing, and he goes, "Did we give those hunters a good show or what?" And I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "Those are all like, hunters." And I'm like, "Bro, that was, I think, three herds of elk, like all three. Like, we, we brought one in from the left, one in from the right, one in from the center, and they all showed up." Yeah, there was like eleven bulls down there or something. It was some yeah. crazy chaos. Well, I hear that, and I'm like, well, what happened? You know, I'm looking at James, and I'm thinking, okay, well, then why are you back here? And he's like, there was a bluff. And I'm like, oh, man. He said they they wanted to come up to me because I could hear him wanting to come up, but then they would hang up. And I and he just couldn't get down. He's like, I couldn't get down. They couldn't get up. It was a stalemate. And I'm like, oh. And I tell Mike, I'm like, all right, well, go. I'm like, you jump in the car, and I'm going to run around to the right because now the wind has switched. Now it's going, we're facing downhill, it's going. And that's why I backed out, because the wind was switching yeah. and the fog was going away, and I thought, we yeah. better, I better get out. Yeah, and so I go, and I told him, I go, I'm going to run down this right side, because it was the edge of this clear cut, and it was some, some standing timber, and I said, I'm going to run all the way down here, and I'm just going to see if I can get down there. And I go, you drive down and uh, get around to the bottom, and I'll meet you down there, and we'll, you know, we'll come up with, a, with, a, with another game plan. And so I run around, and I'm, you know, trying not to die and jumping over logs and you know you fall down all the time falling down three or four times and i i get to this uh this 
old road and I'm beating feet down the road and I'm a cow and a bull, you know, and so I'm cow calling and I'm, I'm bugling and I'm slipping and I'm running around, I come running around this corner and mind you, I got my crystal hat on and I come <laughs> running around this corner and I see antlers, I see antlers and I'm like, Oh, and I hit the brakes and I just pop right back in the reprod and I see this, there's this bull and he's standing and he's staring at me at about 22 yards and it's a six point and he's looking right at me, but in front of him is a big old huckleberry bush. He's right at the intersection of these roads. There's two roads that come together, the road I'm on and there's one that comes from the side and he's just standing behind this little berm that has this huck in it and he's looking right at me and i and i'm like oh i got the hat on and so i lean the hat out and oh his ears perk up and he gets all antsy he starts like dancing around and i cow call it he takes like three steps towards me and then he stops and he he doesn't know what to do because the rest of the herd already flipped in the repo but he wants to come see me and then he oh he turns around and he wants to walk away and then i cow call a couple more times and he wants to come back and then he starts to, to to you know to kind of make his mind up that he's going to go and get my win he's going to walk into the reprod and get below me and i bugle and not freeze them and then he wants to see what he's dealing with and so instead what he decides to do is he decides to go in back into the opening a little bit and try to catch this other road now I, and i don't know why i think he wanted a little more space because he thought there was a bull there but he goes and i kind of see what he's doing he goes directly to my left and i start running down this road because i figured he's going to go down, catch this other road, and then, you know, try to J-hook me, really. And so I run down there, and I get I get there about the same time that he comes across, and he comes, you know, walking through, heading right towards the repod, and, and it's about 30 yards, something like that. And I, I um, bark at him, and he pauses, and I draw my bow back, and I, I aim at an elk instead of aiming at a, at a spot and I pluck the string and the arrow comes out sideways. And mind you, it's been foggy and wet and my fletchings are all, uh, they're all soaked and the, the arrow straightens out. It just sails right over his back, you know, and he was looking at me right when it happened. He took about a step forward, you know, he just kind of stepped right out of the way of it, but it missed him, you know, missed him clean by a ways. And, uh, I'm like, oh no, and I go, all right, but he, but he doesn't run to the repot. He runs, he runs to the left again, and so I go running down the road again, and I'm cow calling, and he comes trotting past me. I cut him off again. He comes trotting past me at about 20 yards, and I just, I didn't, I, I couldn't get him to stop, and I just didn't, I wasn't going to shoot him as he was moving. And uh, so he, he moves into the reprod, and I'm like, oh man, there was my shot opportunity, and then I, I went. I went into the opening. I checked this big uh, group of timber that we that they were hanging out in, make sure there was nothing in there. Went back, found my arrow, uh, um, and then walked to the main road. And I walked down to the main road, and I'm standing there on this corner, and I'm kind of waiting, trying to decide what to do because I'm thinking, well, these these elk are still in this reprod. You know, it makes sense that they're still in there. And there's all this travel traffic on the gravel road. There's no way that they're going to go across it. And uh, James pulls up, and he's like, oh, I was on elk. And I'm like, dude, I was on elk, too. We're like, <laughs> you know, we're all excited, you know. And I'm like, I think they're still over here. And I'm like, I'm like, park the car. We're going to walk up to this repod. There's two of these little groves of this other kind of timber in there. We're going to sneak in there. And he's like, okay, okay. So he pulls the car off the side of the road, and we're getting all our gear out, and we're getting ready. And, you know, we're telling each other what's happening, what happened. All of a sudden, we see this guy. Like, this guy walks around the corner, and James goes, oh, there's another hunter. And we look over at him, and he kind of looks over at us, and I sort of what up him, you know. And he goes, he goes, hey guys, and then yeah, he, he and, goes, then he, and then he disappears. He goes, hey, yeah. hey, loud, like yeah. loud, and, yeah. we're, and we're like, we look at hey. him like, dude, yeah. And he's and then he comes back, and he goes, hey, 
I got a bull down. And we all of a sudden we changed from like in the hunt mode. We're like, James goes, where? And he goes, right here, right off the road. And we're like, right there? And he goes, yeah. And then he says, it's my first bull ever. And we're like, what? So we go running over to the guy. The guy gives me a big old hug. It's, it is. I hugged him. Five yards off the road. Is it five yards off the road? Maybe. Piled up. It's like a. He's like it's barely legal, and we're looking at. And when I'm looking at it, I'm like, "Well, I see four points on that side. You know, it's three point or better unit." And uh, we're like, "No way, dude! That thing's plenty legal." And he's like, "Oh yeah, with the eye guards, it is." James says, "Yeah, that's the four point." He goes, "Oh, four by four." And we're like, "Okay." (laughs) Yeah, he had no idea. Oh, he was so pumped. I go, "Well, let me run back and get my camera." So I run back to the car, get my camera. He's like, "He's like, I called it in," and I. I was like, oh, what? He goes, I go, what? How'd it go down? He goes, well, I heard all this calling and I looked and they were charging me. And then I called and they stopped. Yep. <laughs> cow calls. He's like, they yeah. sure are coming to the cow calls, man. They were running to those cow calls. <laughs> and uh, I'm getting photos of the guy and he's grabbing. And I go, hold, hold. I go, hold on, hold on. I go, let's tuck the tongue inside the mouth and let's get the you, off of it. Mind you, yeah. they were running from Joaquin and me. Yeah. <laughs> they were running at him. And so I'm getting some good photos and I'm getting, you know, I'm doing my thing, which I love taking photos. And I want to document this for this guy. You know what I mean? You get one chance and I got my good camera and I'm laying in the grass and I'm getting, I'm not taking flat photos. I'm getting perspective and I'm getting some, I'm, I'm getting all this stuff. I'm getting the emotion and I'm telling him, look, man, just do your thing. Just soak it in. Just enjoy it. Like I, the, all I want you to do is just you do your thing and I will capture it. So all this is going on, on and, you know, and we're like, oh, man. And James goes, hey, uh, um, you should probably get your tag out. And the guy the guy goes, oh, he goes, I don't have my tag on. And we're like, what? And uh, I go, all right. I go, jump in the car with James. I go, he will take you to get your tag. I go, dude, you got to He's like, all right, okay. And this then he does the last wanna... day of season. We should be hunting, but we're like, we better help this kid. He doesn't want to leave. He don't want to leave. He's, he's like looking at me, and he's trying to decide if he can trust me or not. Yeah, like, he thinks go, that we're going to steal his elk. I go, look, man, I go, I'll tell you, I will give you my word. I go, I will fight off other hunters. I will fight off a bear. I promise you, your elk will be here when you come back. I go, I go, I'll just tell, you know, I'll just tell him that you had to run, you know, run and grab your buddies or whatever, you know. And he's like, all right, man, I'm trusting you. I go, you can trust me. So I'm taking more pictures, and I hear some popping and some snapping. And so I'm, I'm cow calling from a dead elk. I thought, well, well you know. No, I'm cow calling, and I even. I threw out a bugle even, you know, I mean, I was like sitting there and these guys come driving back and they drive back and they're like, did you see this Jeep drive by? And I go, yeah, it's that way. So then they take off again and I'm just, and I'm hanging out with this elk for like, I don't know, it was probably we're, 20 minutes or something. We're trying like to find this guy's father-in-law because his hunting pack and tag is in his father-in-law's Jeep. Yeah. And uh, so they come back and they finally end up making their way back. And I'm like, you get your tag? He's like, yeah, yeah, I got my tag. Oh, okay. And he says, this was one of the weird things that happened. When we first talked to the guy, he said, if I'm being honest, there might be another bull hit. And I look at him and I go, and he goes, and there's two other, he's like, I got two other hunters over here in the bushes. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. One of the other guys shot an elk, right? And I'm like, okay, all right. So I'm telling the guy, he, he tells us that he shot at another elk, but he missed it. And I, and James goes, Hey, you guys, you go, you better go find your arrow to make sure you didn't hit the other bull. So I take the guy over and I go, look, I go, let's recreate this. I go, I want you to go stand exactly where you were. And I want, and I'm going to walk over and I'm going to stand where the elk were. And we're going to re, 
I go, once I get to where I, where the elk were and you are where you are, you're going to see the whole sight picture again. We're going to find your arrow. That's the only way we're going to find your arrow because it's a good, you know, 150 yard, you know, cut that they're, that, that these elk were in. So I'm trying to do this and this guy just keeps wandering in circles. And I'm like, is that where you're standing? He's like, no, no, it's just sort of where the elk were. And I'm like, well, I'm like, dude, I, I need, I go, look, man. He's like, I'm sorry, my legs are shaking. I go, don't worry about it. I go, but I need you to sh- tell me exactly where you were standing. Go stand where you were standing. He's like, okay. So I finally get him over behind this flash pile. And, he, and he's like, this is where I stand. I'm like, like, all right, where were the elk? And he's like, over there. So I would want, I beat feet and I get over here and I go, well, how far away they ran you ranged them? And he goes, 40 yards. And I say, okay, 40 yards. So I range him and I go, uh, so I go, 40 yards. And the guy, I go, I said, well, that's, he, he goes, yeah, right there, right there. And I go, okay. I go, well, this is 30. And he's like, oh, well, that maybe that's why I missed them. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I go, this is where one was standing. I go, where is the other one standing? He's like, over there. I go, all right. I go, I'll look for your arrow. You go fill out your tag. He's like, okay. So he takes off and I'm looking and I'm trying, I'm doing triangulating and I'm trying. And all of a sudden I hear like this pack snapping and popping 30 yards past where I was. And I look over and the guy's over there. He's in the opposite direction that needs to be going. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? I go, hey, man. I go, you should probably go fill out your tag. And he's like, oh, there's blood over here. And I'm like, blood? He's like, I did hit the other one. And I'm like, you hit the other one? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, what? So I go trotting over to where he is. And dude, sure enough, there's a blood trail. There's this blood trail just going right from this meadow, right through the the meadow. The opposite direction of his bull. Of his bull. And I'm like, oh, dude. And I go, he's like, oh, I hit this other one. I go, look, man. I go, you need to go over there and put your tag on that elk that's laying on the ground. And he's like, well, I, and I go, look. I will, I will blood trail this. We'll figure it out. But you better go put a tag on that thing. I go, this is your elk. You killed an elk. It's dead. You got to go put a tag on it. I'll deal with this until someone shows up. He's like, okay. So he goes over there with James, and I go wandering off, and I start blood trailing this thing. And it crosses a river, and it goes and, through a reprod patch. And, and I, I go over there to – he's never gut, gutted an animal – so I go over there to walk him through the gutting process while uh, Joaquin takes off to to uh, blood trail. Meanwhile, this is our last day to elk hunt. And I kind of feel like for the elk, we kind of have to do this. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm not one to. I'm just at that point. I'm like, look, I don't really care so much about you know. You know how it is. It, you lo- you'd love to fill your tag. That'd be great. But the reality is, is a bull that's hurt, you know, it's hit, and he's and he's wounded, and he's cruising along. And I kind of put it in my mind where I'm like, well, look, if I'm if I'm blood trailing this thing, and this bull jumps up, I'm going to shoot it, or I'm going to follow it, and I'm going to shoot it, and I'm going to put my tag on it. Yeah. And I go and if I and if I get over here and I find this thing and it's, it's dead, last yeah. And if I find this thing and it's dead, well, then these jokers can deal with it because I'm not yeah. having any part of it, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I. But either either way, I'm going to figure out where this is going to go. So I cross the river and I climb up the bank and I get in the reprod. And this dude, this bull, he does a dandy of a track job. I mean, dude, he doubles back on himself and he triples back on himself and he goes across his track and he cuts back and he stands and he, he does all this stuff. And I lose the trail a couple different times and I pick it back up and it's uh it's like good blood, but it's not liver blood, it's not lung blood, you know, it's like. It's like flesh, it's like muscle blood, but there's mm-hmm. a good amount of it, you know, not enough to, that I think to kill an elk, but definitely a good amount. We, of we blood. figured a left shoulder hit, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, cause as I'm going, I'm finding, I'm 
finding uh, branches, uh, you know, above my belly button, below my nipple, where I'm getting blood. And it, I can tell that it's on the front leg because I can see a couple places where he peeks out in an opening and, and, and he's standing. I can, he can stand over his front legs and there's drips down there by his front hoods. And so I'm thinking, okay, he's hitting the front shoulder is what I'm thinking. And which is good. I mean, if you're going to hit a bull, you know, and not, not recover it, that's what you want to do. So, uh, uh, we, uh yeah, long I, story short, we, you blood trailed it for what, four hours. And, and I think uh, that's five, five hours. And I found a spot where you could tell he had laid down and the blood on the ground was from, from that was blood that was matted in his fur and nothing fresh. And then it disappeared. And then it was just no more blood trail. And at this so point, the whole I, time, yeah. Yeah, and at this, this point, this I was like, James yeah, James's story gets this whole other level. Of, yeah, so, uh, I, yeah, at this point, I'm like, we need to get back to elk hunting or kill this wounded bull. We need to do something. And um, Joaquin has a, what is that, what's that device called? The DeLorean? Uh, yeah, DeLormy, an Enreach. DeLormy? Enreach? Yeah, so, so yeah. he can get text messages, but we don't have cell phone service, so I have to go like, and I, 45 minute drive to get service and I go up there and I send him a text it's like dude we need to pull out or get together or do something and so I figure out where he's at and I decide I'll go above him and see if the if the elk have pushed beyond the blood trail and I actually did get on the elk and they did push above the blood trail and so I got back and hooked up with Joaquin and he showed me the whole tracking job and that's when I realized not only do I have an elk hunting partner that can shoot a bow it doesn't whine and complain. We'll dress up like a cow elk and sound like a cow elk, but this guy can track some elk now. So uh, I was like, okay, we're golden. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we need to move. We need to move forward on this. And and the rest of the hunt was pretty lackluster. I think we just kind of drove around and we got on a herd and kind of followed them around and just kind of shot some arrows and and started making plans for next year. Yeah, that was really. That was really it. It was that we were really feeling there was, you know, one other part of that was that uh, we were both feeling really dejected at the way that this last thing went down with these other fellows hunting the way they kind of the way they were doing their thing. But then we went back there on our way back through and there was one of the guys that was with them and he was blood trailing. He had picked up the blood trail and had, and had followed the blood trail and was trying to find his elk. And, and we talked to him and, and, and uh, that made me feel a lot better made me feel like okay all right they're trying to do the right thing you know and then we checked the carcass and they 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 took every single lick of meat off that carcass which made me really happy to see that so uh you know we we gave uh those guys the benefit of the doubt and they turned out to be super good dudes um yeah and i think it was just a beginner's mistake and a uh, a young guy kind of went winchester and i I think he learned from it and um And I think we had a positive influence on the situation, which, uh, you know, definitely is a feel good all the way around. I was stoked. I was stoked that it seemed like the bull moved off on his own, you know, definitely. And like you said, the guy got his first bull. And I don't think that, I mean, my first bull was a rodeo. I mean, I've only shot one bull and it was the, it was a worse track job than that. And it was, you know, I didn't find him until the next morning and I shouldn't have found him and all that stuff. And so I could definitely empathize with that guy in terms of not knowing what to do and how to do it and, and, you know, and all that stuff. And 
it did it did kind of end well for us that we felt like everything sort of sewed itself up in a nice you know clean little package and that really did help us you know kind of turn our heads around and feel a little bit better about the about the situation and and uh we we had a good hunt you know that was a lot of fun hunting with james um the i've i really appreciated the consistency in his his um you know, and it's attitude that's a lot of times when you hunt with guys and they will be up and down um, and you got to lift them up a lot. And um, I'm, you know, I'm one of those guys that I, I kind of play to the level of my compatriots and um, James was always up, you know, it was nice. It was really nice. And he was fired up and dude, the guy can cook some food. I'll tell you that. And it was really nice having somebody that cooks vegetables with dinner it was great you know i get a little lazy i get a little protein i'll get i get protein bias i'm like let's just cook some steak yeah and he's like i got brussels sprouts and bell peppers and crookneck squash and i'm sauteing up this and i got mushrooms diced and carrots and every night we'd come back to the camp and i'd be like well we could just skip it if you want and he'd be like yeah and then we cook dinner and every night we'd be eating that dinner and we'd be like oh, so glad we, we did this you know uh it was it was a, it was a great hunt he was a really really good guy to hunt with and and we we definitely learned a lot not just about the country but about um which i think is uh, you know what i took away from it was that you can't always choose you can choose your hunting partners but you can't choose the people that are hunting in the country with you or the type of country and adapting to that um you know can can make the difference between having a hunt that you feel good about or having one where you feel like you got cheated and we definitely could have kicked the tires and left there and said Oh, there's too many people and there, you know, there's too much of this and there's too much of that. But I felt after that, I was like, well, we, we, we kind of looked at everything and, and decided different tactics, you know, for different days and different, you know, different animals and stuff. It was, it was a, it was a great, great hunt. Yeah. And for me, hunting with Joaquin, a guy that, you know, has been going hard, but, uh, doesn't have, but, you know, one elk season under his belt, um, it, it was just awesome. We came together and clicked so well. Uh, it turns out we come from very similar walks of life and we have so much in common. And, uh, I, I hope this, uh, is the beginning of, uh, an elk hunting partnership, uh, that's going to go a, a long time to a lot of places. Oh, dude, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. So the good news is I've got a late season tag, January yeah. 5th through the 20th. We've got a late season tag. I'll be glassing for you. Yeah. Bring it, my boy. (laughs) We're going to try to get after these, uh, elk in January. I've actually killed one in the late hunt before with the compound. So I have a little confidence that we can, we can find them and do it. And uh, I think it's going to be a good hunt and there'll be no pressure on the elk at that time of year. And if we can get some some kind of weather and find those bachelor groups, uh, Maybe, maybe, uh, there's still, uh, some elk, uh, meat in my destiny. In our destiny. Yeah. I do, I mean, I do gotta say one thing. One thing that really made it possible, um, was our families. I mean, dude, two guys spending that much time away and we both have kids and we both have wives and we both have households and, um, yeah, and everything, you know, kind of teeters on that. You can, it can stop. I mean, it can yeah. just end. If, yeah. if it, if the wheels fall off at home, your hunt's over. Yeah. Unless and you want to be, you know, single, you know, yeah. in the middle of a, of a bad, of a bad day. But 
my wife and James's wife and, and, and my kid and, 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 and his kids, they, they sacrificed a lot for us to be able to be little kids running around in the woods, you know, chasing elk and coming home with nothing. And <laughs> we still got a lot of support from it. And, and, you know, that to me, the other, the other part about finding a good hunting partner is you got to find somebody that, that, um, you know, gets along with their, with their, um, their significant other enough and, and has that support that they can do it because that, can well, that, that. that's how you're a hundred percent in the field. If you, if, yeah. if you have nothing to worry about at home Yeah. and, and yeah, I got to thank my wife, you know, and my mother-in-law, yeah. uh, and my kids for allowing me 18 full days in the elk woods this season and seven evening hunts. I mean, I've, I'm blessed. That my sister, everybody, like, like everybody, I, the, the funny part was, is, is that where I was going, I was going out of the state, out of the area, hunting with the guy. Everybody's like, see, this guy's going to chop you up. He's going to kill you and chop you up in little pieces. And I went radio <laughs> silent. I'm pretty active. And so I went radio silent and my buddies are like, dude, are you alive? Like you need to send us a ping, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And all my friends, going on? <laughs> all my friends were like, you met this guy on the internet and you're going to spin even my wife was like, you're going to spend a month with a guy on the internet. She's like, that, what if it doesn't go good? You're going to ruin your elk season. I'm like, I have good feeling this is going to go good. Yeah, it did. It went really well. It was, it, it was, so, you know, it was one of those things where you just luck out sometimes. So I used to say I'm singling and mingling uh, when it came to the <laughs> elk hunting partner thing. But uh, I've, I, I, I've uh, took a lot of guys out on weekend hunts, but I, I finally got a guy to hunt with. So it's pretty awesome. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you, you got any any uh, last questions, Bob? No, man. I think uh, I think you guys are on to them. Sounds like you guys started to get them figured out there at the end. Sounded like a zoo, though. Man, it sounded like a lot of people. Oh, that's got to. Oh, that's tough. It but, was. I mean, that's the way it is anymore. It seems like on public land. Yeah, and, I, I mean, yeah. it's not really public land where you're at, but kind of is for us here in Oregon. I mean, that's part yeah. of the timberland and yeah. public. And it's don't get us. Don't get us yeah. wrong, though. We actually had a lot of road pressure, but when we were actually out hunting elk and calling elk, we never had hunters come in or hunters show up or hunters mess our wind up. Uh, yeah. There seemed to be a lot of road pressure, but when we were going after elk, we rarely had getting screwed over by it. Yeah, yeah, per yeah se. definitely. You know, that's it. That's it. Yeah. It was inadvert- it was inadvertent pressure is really what right. it was. Like and, you're saying, and, it wasn't. You weren't having guys, I've heard, you know, I've heard some horror stories of guys having guys drop in on them, you know, when they're bugling and drop in the hole and chasing elk. We didn't have any of that stuff happen. Yeah. It and I think to be- we're on to some more secluded ground that we're going to scout this winter. Yep. And we're going to implement the tree stand into our tactics next year because we have some hot spots. And I think I will get on my knees for a shot when I'm calling elk. I'll stay on my feet so I can sidestep and get another shooting lane. I mean, those are my biggest takeaways is to, uh, uh, have better setups and, uh, implement some, some tree sand hunting. Yeah. Mine was similar, you know, was to stay more, you know, I kind of knew it being, but I need to be more aggressive in movement in movement. Yeah. When there's an elk looking at me or looking in my direction or that I can see, I need to still be willing to move. And that's the big risk that I got to be willing to take because if, if you don't move and you're not in a position for a shot, there's nobody to blame but yourself. 
you know. Yeah. And if you blow them out, <clears throat> if you blow them out moving, then that's what had to happen. So that yeah. for me, I had a couple of instances like that bull that was walking up to me <clears throat> that I that I passed that shot on. I should have stepped back because I would have had the road cover me, and I should have just slipped down the road, and I would have had you know a ten yard shot quartering to me or you know a frontal you know or a broadside shot but it didn't i stayed put because i thought he was going to come to me i you know i froze up what, what yeah. do you think about that bob i mean I, well i mean i those roosevelts i haven't hunted them a ton but i've hunted them a little bit with a, a good buddy of mine and uh he's really good at it and i'm amazed at how much he will move like at those you know what i mean it's like the amount of movement you can get away with in that thick stuff compared to where I'm used to hunting is like, it's night and day different. So, um, Oh, they just, in the thick brush, when we're calling, they seem to not come in, but they're like, they accepted us as other elk and they would hang out. Yeah. And yeah. so that you could get away with movement if they, if you weren't scaring them, if you cow called from a hundred yards away and then you did it again from 20, they're like, Oh, okay. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you're wearing the crystal hat, you're oh, good. You're you yeah. you walk right to them. <laughs> Better and wear I, a bulletproof vest. I guess I'll, I'll end this. <laughs> Dude, I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah. You're not I wearing think, that in some of the any 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 elk unit for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah no. Chris, crystal can't visit where it's brown. Put them down units. No, Definitely not. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, um, I got one quick last story that I, I it was actually one of my highlights of the season. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I went out on a quick uh, evening hunt with my boss. Uh, he shoots compound, but you know when you hunt with your boss, you don't even want to shoot. You just want to get a bull for your boss. And so we go into one of his spots, and I bugle immediately. I get a bull bugling. It it was an awesome bugle fest. We almost got him a bull. I almost got a bull because I had a little one sneak in. After it was all said and done, it was a super cool hunt. I got my boss shooting blunts. Most compound guys out here don't stump shoot, but I got him stump shooting. And so out of frustration, when that when the whole hunt ended, he grabbed a blunt arrow and he drew his compound back and he shot a stump. And so I hurry up and I grabbed a blunt arrow and I drew back. And he has got a lighted knock down there shining on the stump. And I let my arrow fly, and it was about a 50-yard stump shot. And I got lucky and Robin hooded my boss's arrow. <laughs> and I broke his arrow into, like, four pieces. And I got and I looked at him and was like, high five! And I was all excited, and he was like, you're, you're a jerk. And I was like, dude, that was, like, the best shot of my life. And he was like, you just broke my $30 arrow. I'm like, yeah, bro, but that was, like, awesome. And he was like... I, no, it wasn't. I don't think that was very awesome. No, it uh, wasn't, he said. That was yeah. messed up, man. Uh, Not cool, James. Not cool. <laughs> so, so sorry. Sorry, Danimal. Uh, <laughs> I owe you an arrow. But, yeah, that was kind of my, my highlight of the season, the old stump stumper breaking my boss's arrow. So, uh, But once again, everybody, we appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, we will uh, have Bob back on, on next week to talk about Bob's Arizona Elkhunt, which, uh, as you guys know on social media, ends better than our elk. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Podbean. Check us out on tradquest.com. Send us an email. 
at tradquestpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram. We've got some really good giveaways coming up. Tell us where we can follow you, Joaquin. Oh, uh, I'm on Instagram at Joaquinwa. That's uh, it's J-O-A-Q-U-I-N-O-A underscore. And, and uh, you'll see Crystal. You'll see Crystal uh, on the uh, <laughs> TradQuest uh, site. And yeah, we'll, we'll Joaquin sure. takes some amazing <laughs> photos too. So yeah, go over there and follow him. He's got some That's good it. stuff on there. Yeah, yeah, he had blacktail guy. Um, and yeah, until uh, next time. And just a big. Also, big shout out to Addictive Archery, Kefaro International for having our backs on this hunt, uh, Sherwood Shafts, uh, and Compton Traditional. Don't forget to join our national traditional bow hunting organization. And uh, Subaru North America. And keep the wind <laughs> in your face. Pick a spot and shoot straight. Perfect. Frosty before the sun comes up, the geese are on the wing. The deer are fat and happy, no, they don't suspect a thing. I can't take it any longer, I've got to breathe some air. The only cure for what I've got is a week or so out there. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. Outside, so I can find a view. Are you swimming in the sun? Now go outside and shoot.